0: to Cast and Wax. My name is Jordan D. White here on Waxwork.com. Well, my name is Jordan D. White all the time, but you're listening to this because presumably you downloaded it from Waxwork.com. This is the only podcast of Waxwork.com, official or otherwise, I'm pretty sure, so far. You never know when other parts of the website will start trying to you know, outdo me with their own podcast. But anyway, let's get right to it. This is going to be a fun show. We've got three serials for you, and we've got three other hosts besides myself to introduce. So let's introduce them, shall we? Right here is my little kitten named Scapy
1: Dad, I'm not a kitten anymore. Well,
0: okay, that's technically, I mean, you're not technically a kitten, no, but you'll always be a kitten to me.
1: Oh, that's very really sappy, Dad.
0: Well, maybe, but it's also true. You know, I mean, I, I love you like a child, and I always will think of you as my baby.
1: Oh, Dad, don't, okay. don't embarrass me on a podcast, Dad. That's silly. I'm very old. I've been alive for, like, I don't know, for eight or nine years. It's a wrong time.
0: I guess that's a long time for cats. I mean, what's the, is there some sort of math for cats? Cat, cat ease? Does that make you like, like 49 or 50 years old or something?
1: No. Dad, like 8 or 9. You
0: don't remember which one you are?
1: No, you'd have to do like math. But the point is, it's, I'm pretty old. I'm an adult. I'm grown up. I do what I want. I don't answer to you.
0: Well, you don't. You don't typically answer to me, but you really ought to answer to me. I'm the one with the moist food, and I'm the one with the treats, and I'm the one with the, you know, everything that keeps you alive.
1: Dad, I could get it if I wanted. I could kill things and eat things if I needed to. Scape,
0: <laughs> you're such a dumbass. Um, but I have other people to introduce, so I'm going to now introduce Mr. Frank Allen. Frank, how's it going with you? Oh, not too bad, not too bad. Um, I mean, I don't really have a lot of eventful things going on, you know. I, I still am working at the same uh, supermarket. I'm still I'm still uh, just working on this uh, becoming an investigative journalist analyst thing that I've been doing for a little while now since the hosting thing hasn't been panning out so much. I figure if I can break a really nice story, I mean, I thought the troll story would, would put me on the map, but people don't seem to really have picked up on that one. But I figure if I can break a really good one, uh, you know, they'll have to put me on real news, you know? I suppose that's fair. I suppose that's fair. So, but for now you're, you said still working at the supermarket? Yeah, and I'm saving some money because I'm eating, you know, a lot of crackers. Oh, very funny, yes. Crackers. Oh, I am. Yeah, but you don't have to rub it in. Um, it, That's our, our fourth host over there, Mr. Roy Singen, who seems to be in kind of a sour mood. Yes, I am in kind of a sour mood. Yes, my name is Roy St. John I'm a historian, an extra historian. I work at the Brooklyn Institute of Extra Historical Studies, and I am doing independent uh, readings of extra history for people. And um, that's all. That's all. You. What about your new business? No, it didn't. It's not. I'm not doing it anymore. All right. I'm not. I stopped. You stopped doing it. Why? Because you realized it was not the right thing to do. Is no, that- it's not because of that. All right. It's because it's because I it didn't it didn't work. All right. It didn't work out as well as I'd hoped it would, really. Uh, Now, shocking hear that but uh gee it sounds like somebody might have suggested it might not work out to you oh you know who it was it was uh it was me on my interview last week wasn't it yes it was your interview last week which i'm sure the prosecution actually heard because what did they do as soon as they came out they said oh do you know what uh, did the person do the crime and then i had to say uh, 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 huh? you know not in this universe etc etc and then they 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 trotted out all this i'm not trustworthy i'm talking about multiple realities and who cares about that and i was laughed out of the court thank you very much, and my client didn't pay, and in fact is now suing me for saying that I hurt his case. (laughs) Well... (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. You're to... laughing at me. You're laughing. Great. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to laugh. Uh, it's not funny. I mean, it, it, it's kind of foolish of them to sue you. I mean, it was their own fault for, for trying to think that that would work, but it, obviously it wouldn't. Well, I agree that they shouldn't sue me, although I don't think that's why. I, I think the only reason it didn't work is because you both had a, a concerted effort to destroy it before it even began. I personally blame both of you. I think it would have worked if they hadn't heard the podcast and known the right questions to ask that you had pointed out. Well, give, I mean, give them some credit, Rory. They probably figured it out on their own. It's not a very good idea. It wasn't that hard to think of. Well, I thought it was, thought it was hard to think of. Well, it doesn't, it, I didn't think of it. The point is, that business is over. It didn't work. I, I'm sorry for your loss, although I'm glad for the country's gain. The gain of justice, <laughs> so to speak. Oh, yes. Yeah, very funny. It was a little funny. No, it isn't funny. Thank you, Frank. Did, did you see me laughing at your failures? Well, I don't... I mean, I don't think I have that many failures, but yes, when I fail at things, yes, you do laugh at me. Well... You deserve it, and I don't, so... oh, that's not... that's not nice. No, the world isn't a nice place, I suppose. I'm learning that myself. I thought it was going quite well, and then all of a sudden... And then all of a sudden, uh, the right thing happened. Okay, let's let's move on. Um, Scape, uh, how, how are everything going? you have any legal troubles yourself?
1: No, I don't have any legal troubles.
0: That's good. That's good. How are things working out with you and Boo? I know you were kind of upset when she wrote in that one time, called you uh, abnormal brain. Yeah,
1: uh, that was upsetting. But basically, what I did was kick her butt five ways from Sunday. I'm
0: sorry? You kicked her butt five ways from Sunday?
1: Yeah. And then she said, I take it back, you win, you're tougher than me.
0: I don't believe you. I think you're lying about that. No,
1: no, it's true. It's true. She was like, uncle, uncle. Uncle? Yeah. She's was like, you're my uncle.
0: What? You're
1: not her uncle. No, it's a thing you say. Is it? Yeah, yeah. If you call someone your uncle, that's like you signify that they're tougher than you.
0: Oh, Origins of phrases here on, on Cast and Wax. Uh, you know, let's 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 go down to the, the first thing. The very first thing we have up tonight is guard duty. If you remember last week's guard duty, you'll remember that there are some criminals being held in the guard tower because there was a prison breakout, and until the cells are all put back in order, they are keeping a few prisoners up there so that they can, you know, keep them safe and protected. Well, at the end of the episode, uh, Binary Girl and Peace Blossom, who are having a secret affair, were the only two heroes in In the guard tower. So, Binary Girl thought, uh, I can leave one of me here watching the two prisoners, and, uh, the two of us can pop off into the next room. Possibly not a great plan, you know? Let's hear how it works out.
2: The Earth Guard. The planet's most powerful heroes
3: united in the common goal of protecting the innocent people of planet Earth
1: and defending them from threats of all kinds.
4: From the Guard Tower,
3: their base of operations, they watch over the citizens, and spring into action at any sign of danger. To that end, the Guard takes shifts, monitoring events all over the globe. Sooner or later, they all have to take a shift of Guard Duty. This week, binary Girl and peace Blossom in, guard down.
5: Did you get it? Disastrous, did you get it?
6: Yeah, I got it. Micro Mini Disaster blaster. Only enough power for one shot, low setting.
5: Let me out. I can take her down quick and
6: let you out. All right, I'll blast a fuel generator for yourself. On of three. One, two, three! What?
5: What are they- Not so fast, Double Dame.
6: Get her into another cell. Ah! <coughs> huh,
5: knocked her out.
7: Now quick, let me out. They should be back at- She's Dragon Drop! I should have known. The Fiend! Disastrous! What have you done to me? The other me?
6: That was nothing. <coughs> You'll never get away with
5: it! I'll take those if you don't mind. (laughs)
6: Yes!
5: (laughs) Take that, you stupid dykes. Lousy bitches.
6: Excuse me?
5: What? I mean them.
6: Don't be an ass. You don't think they're bitches? That's not the point. I just want you to shut up and stop being an ass. There's no reason to talk smack when they're already out cold. All you're going to do is make me mad. And you don't want to do that. Oh, really? Look, drag and drop. I've had this blaster stuck up inside me for hours. I've had to toe to these morons, and to top it all off, I've had some lousy dreams. Add it all up, and you've got one angry mistress of disaster. And as you've seen, I've got my blaster hooked up to their power grid now. I may not be able to make earthquakes, but it can create some astoundingly painful spasms. Now get off my ass!
5: Okay, mistress. So, why didn't they, uh, you know, strip-search you when they brought you in, anyway?
6: Too busy. Needed to get on all the other escapees. (laughs) Huh, yeah.
5: We were sure giving them hell. Me and WYSIWYG were down on 3rd, where there is this
6: Oh, please! I don't want to be your friend! Why are you telling me this? Well,
5: no reason. Forget it, then. So what's the plan?
6: Why should we waste any more time? Let's get out of here. I'll go my way,
5: you go yours. Why be so hasty? There's so many other options.
6: Like what?
5: I'm one of the SysOps. Technology is our forte. The guard tower is full of it.
6: Well, what do you have in mind?
5: These implants don't just give me my drag-and-drop capabilities. I can interface with their system. See what kind of trouble we can cause with these bastards.
6: That's actually not a bad idea for a second-rate pig. I'll take that
5: as a compliment and not drop you out an airlock.
6: Wise choice. I'm gonna build a full-strength disaster blaster. Good idea.
5: Rumor has it, Broadband designed the computer systems here in the base himself. I've been dying to interface with some of his code. Wait up! What is this? What? The main the main system is offline. The entire what is this? The entire brain frame personality interface system is down and running diagnostics through Stanton Enterprises.
6: So what does that mean for us?
5: Bad news is I can't access the main volumes of their systems. Personal files, secret identities, even their files on us. Any attempt to get at them will ring a million alarms at Stanton. And old Bobby will send his little puppy Broadband to wrap us up.
7: Great.
6: So let's make ourselves scarce.
5: But there's good news. The good news is so long as this brain frame is down, no alarms are ringing about our breakout. No one has any idea we're up here. So? 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 Are you retarded? We've captured two of the Earth Guard without breaking a sweat. Others are going to be coming in to replace them.
6: You're not suggesting.
5: Why not? Look, I can rig up some sort of little makeshift bell or beeper whenever their teleporter is used, meaning we can get the drop on anyone coming up here. They're not going to be expecting it. This is their sanctuary. They'll have their guard down. I don't like it. What? Why not?
6: Too risky. Why haven't you and your susops taken over the world yet? Because of the Earth Guard. Exactly! So now you want to specifically stick around and interact with them?
5: So we can take them out, get them out of the picture!
6: It's not very likely if you ask me. The best way to stay active as long as possible is to stay out of their sight. Do you know how often I use my blaster and they don't know it wasn't natural? A lot. I don't imagine a half-man, half-machine thing flinging people and things around keeps you under the radar.
5: Yeah, well, I'm talking about taking out the radar tower. I'm saying we strike first and we strike hardest, hitting them before they even know where. Let's get you in a nice, cozy cell. Where? Oh, nice try, Suspiria. I've already told you, I'm
8: far too quick to fall for any of your hallucinations. As if two nobodies like disastrous and dragon
5: drop could get the drop on the Earth Guard.
6: Excuse me. Ah, son of a! Grab him.
5: Dragged ah. and dropped.
6: <sighs> Jeez.
5: Y'all never get away with this! My legs will heal in no time and then- And you'll do
6: nothing! These cells are made to hold in people with powers far beyond yours. Have a nice convalescence. Ah! What's going on here?
5: You must be Suspiria. It's a pleasure to meet you. I've heard a lot about you. Who are you? I'm Dragondrop. That's disastrous. We're going to take out the Earth Guard.
6: We're going to do no such thing. I'm getting as far away from this maniac as I possibly can. Disastrous,
9: the mistress of disaster? Funny, you never seem like a coward in the news reports.
6: Excuse me? You never struck me as a moron either, but here you are, inviting me to kill you.
9: You think you could take me?
6: Oh, I know I could. Are you sure? You, you're the one who was in my
5: field.
6: What? what? No, 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 sir. No, I, I was never in your cow field, I swear. What the hell
5: is that? Get
10: the hell
11: out
6: of my sight
10: before I skewer you, you,
6: bastard. Please don't! Not the pitchfork! I promise I'll never cut through your fields again, I, I promise! I have no
9: idea where this came from. <laughs> Worst fear. I love pulling that one.
6: You hear me, girl? <laughs> oh god, help me, no!
9: Where do you think she'll go? Probably
5: teleport out of here from what she was saying. So I want to tangle with a guard unless she absolutely has to.
9: You'll get no such argument from me. I live to destroy them.
5: That's the plan, exactly.
9: I love a man with a plan. Tell me all about it.
5: Right, the plan. Well, I was thinking I can hook up a little beeper thing when the teleporter is activated.
9: So we can be ready for them.
5: Yes, exactly.
9: Leaving them in these little cells where we can torment them with every little terrible thing they've even thought of.
5: I like the way you think.
7: Of Duty
3: by Jordan D. White with Michael D. Mikowski as the narrator, Angela Timon as Peas Blossom, Lynn Nelson as Binary Girl, Daniel Schwartz as Dr. Fast, Magdalena Richards as Disastrous, Daniel Schwartz as Dragon Drop,
4: Ava Rosenblatt as Suspiria with theme song by Michael D. Mikowski.
0: Uh-oh, things are not looking too good for the Earth Guard. Keep listening for more Guard Duty. I think there's another episode next week, so you can hear how it all turns out. Very exciting, very exciting. So, what's the next part of the show? Oh, it's Rory St. John's part of the show, This Day in History. Yes, it is, and I would like to point out that uh, just because that one business didn't work out for me doesn't mean that extra history is not beneficial. As you heard last week from our very intelligent reader, Mayo, um extra history is probably the best source of morals in our entire society, so... So it's very important uh, that everyone pay, pay attention to it and, and learn from it. And, uh, you know, obviously hire me no, it's to... not important that they hire you to do readings for them. It's an option, and it's an option for people who are stupid. Well, no, it's an option for people who are wise. No, stupid. No, wise. So, gentlemen, 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 uh, we have a This Day in History to listen to now? What uh, What day is it today? Why, it's August 4th, of course, and here we are. Hello, my name is Roy Singen. This is WHRW Binghamton's This Day in History. On August 4th, 1944, a German-born Jewish girl and her family who had been hiding in German-occupied Holland are found by the Gestapo and transported to various concentration camps. The young girl's diary of her time in hiding was found after her death and published. Fraulein well, frank. We have discovered that you have pneumonia. Therefore, we lock you in your house. Start writing.
2: Dear diary, today I got pneumonia. It was totally sucky. Then some Nazis were some real holes to me, if you get what I mean. Plus, I don't think Jake likes me at all Uh. Meanwhile, at Gestapo HQ My diaroscope tells me We are being maligned
12: What is this? By the girl we have quarantined for her pneumonia We must expose her to the public So all can learn What you should never do We will let them hear her unnaturally Deep voice for a female And then they will mock her And she will be made the fool of And no one will laugh at the Gestapo again But first, we kill her Indeed! To the
11: Gestapo-mobile!
2: Later, at the apartment, I guess. Dear Diary, I think the Nazis are trying to kill me again. Klaus, I think we are here! <laughs> ha ha! Franz, let us shoot the girl with the infectious disease
12: so she does not infect us Germans! But you- first I want to shoot the Dorian! I love shooting! Bang! 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 bang, 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 bang. bang.
2: You guys shut up! I'm trying to write here. <sighs> Quickly,
12: let us shoot her and a foul diary spreading the germs all over the countryside. <laughs> uh, I think I have got the disease! <laughs> that is strange, I have not fired yet!
2: Dear Diary, I'm dead. This Sucks.
0: Sadly, since Anne Frank did not practice proper hygiene while sick, she did infect all of those innocent Nazis with pneumonia. Make sure that when you're sick, you cover your mouth and do your best not to spread disease to other people who are not yet infected. Even, and I repeat, even if they are Nazis bent on destroying you and your people. This is This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. ach it's not over yet. This is Roy Singen with Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. Yes, and so it was on that world where Anne Frank went down notoriously as one of the most prolific killers in all of history. She did kill all of the German people who had what they called a Nazi regime, whose idea was to unite the world in peace and uh, make everyone happy at all times. And Anne Frank and her family was like, no, I didn't want to be happy at all times, so they were hiding. That's why they were hiding. And it all started right then and there when Klaus, one of those two Germans, did in fact catch the disease. He went home to his family, who were 100% innocent of all crimes, because in fact as I said, the Nazis were good in this world, and he gave them the pneumonia as well. It became this kind of pneumatic fever, and everyone was pneumonia Dying, dying, dying. Very bad. And of course the problem was at that time, and Frank wasn't notorious as being a, a killer of the German people, so they didn't realize that she was setting a bad example, and they all said, well, it's fine if I cough in your face, <laughs> because that's what she did to them, and they would give the pneumatic fever to everyone else until the temperature of Germany was so high, because there were so many people who had this fever, it became a tropical zone, and then of course one by one they died off, when you know that you're sick, you should do your best to try to keep the disease from passing on to other people, this is Wow. are they now in history on Cast and Wax. You know, Rory, yet again, you have a little too many kind words to say about the nazis i don't really understand why you like the nazis so much no i don't it's not that i like the nazis it's that they're you know they're very important they they made a lot of effect in the world no it's not a matter of just effect i mean what you said there no no listen listen it's not about my opinion. You know, love him or hate him. Hitler was a very important man. What, love him or ha- Who loves him? Everybody hates him. There's no love him or hate him. If you're saying love him or hate you must, obviously, I think we all know now, you love him. If you, no, you, that's you, what not, you're that's saying saying is, not, no. What you're saying is, no. if you love him like I do, or if you hate him like everybody else No, is, no, 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 no. I'm saying, no, this is a different world. It's a different reality where the Nazis, as I said, the Nazis were good in that world. Except that they killed Anne Frank. Well, she, was, uh, she wasn't interested in peace. Yes, she was a refugee. On behalf of war. Well, in that world, she was. Uh, I mean, you, listen, Hitler can be good. You, you met good Hitler. You know that uh, Hitlers who are good are good people. I, yeah, but you're talking about Nazis and you, it just seems like they pop up a lot and you always have nice things to say about them. You're always very complimentary. I, do, I don't know why that is and it's a little disturbing. It's not disturbing. It, I'm, well, you can't decide that. I can decide whether I'm disturbed or I can tell you whether I'm disturbed. You don't get to say what I'm about to say is not going to disturb you. Well, it shouldn't. If, if it disturbs you, that's indicating something wrong with you there's something wrong with me that I don't like when people say oh that's a that's a good mass murderer Anne Frank was a mass murderer yes and Anne Frank is a mass murderer these are all uh, great messages Uh, you're gonna be getting so much great fan mail I think people will write in saying thank you for revealing what a terrible person Anne Frank was and how great the Nazis are I'm being sarcastic can you tell that I am yes I know what sarcasm is are you sure because you sound like you're being sarcastic no All right. wow I just kind of thought I'd stay out of that one that was an interesting little fight. Uh, just in case anybody at home is wondering, the official cast and wax stance on the Nazis is that they uh, weren't so good, especially Hitler. Um, obviously, there were probably people in the Nazi party who didn't know all what was going on, but in general, we don't stand by their uh, belief system and don't like them. I mean, shouldn't that go without saying? Well, I don't know. I mean, Rory's saying some nice things about them. I'm not saying nice things about them. You people, it's a different world. The things I said nice things about are peace and happiness. I like peace and happiness. Uh, Are you against those? Well, I'm not, no. No, I mean, they sound pretty good. I I like peace and I like being happy. Then we're all in agreement. So peace and happiness, good. We all like that version of the Nazi party. I still don't think I'm willing to go there, though. Let's just call it something else— happiness party. We like happiness party. Well, I wouldn't say that if I were you, because in certain realities, the happiness party is the one who oppresses people and shoots them. Ooh, this won't oppress people, He's The guy said he liked shooting. I mean, that was his whole thing. He shot down the door and he's like, I love shooting. It's a different kind of thing. Well, speaking of uh, battles of words, which is what we're having here, uh, we have a debate coming up in a moment after a tract. Uh, this is a tract called Room 310, and it's about uh, you know, Jesus and all that, right? Yeah, that's what I mean, that's what it ends up being about, but yeah. Jesus and uh, you learn a bit about cancer On this one as well. Oh, good. Uh, Everybody else's favorite subject. So let's get right to it Tract or Fiction.
3: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Tract or Fiction. This is Frank Allen. You're listening to WHRW Binghamton. Uh, Today on Tract or Fiction, we've got wonderful tract called room 310 room 310 and then we are as usual going to have our debate on this uh, tract uh, pretty pretty sensible stuff pretty straightforward stuff so i don't want to i don't want to beat around the bush with any nonsense tonight let's uh, let's get right to it this is the tract room 310
6: Our story begins with three buddies on their way into the hospital to visit their pal, Danny O'Hara. The three chums look awfully glum. Man,
3: I hate hospitals. They give me the creeps. Hey, what room is O'Hara in? I think it's 310, but we would better check it out. What room is Danny O'Hara in? He's the guy with the cancer.
13: That's room 310 on the third floor. Follow the red line, please.
3: We'd better not say anything about
0: cancer when we talk to him, okay?
3: But he knows he's going to die, doesn't he? Yeah, Charlie, but that's something we just don't talk about in front of Danny. Man, I'd hate to die like that. Uh, when you die, all your problems are gone. It's all over. Come on, knock it off! We're almost there. I act like there's nothing
6: wrong. The three amigos clam up as they approach Danny's door, but once inside. Hiya,
3: Danny boy. You're looking great. We brought some cigars for you. Yeah, everybody's pulling for you, Danny. When are you coming home?
12: Hey, guys. The doctor says I'm going to be here for a while. Hey, Danny. How are you
3: making out with those cute nurses?
12: They're nuts about me, Charlie. <laughs> you always were a devil with the ladies. Charlie, how's your Uncle John? You tell that old fart knocker to come and see me. Danny, I I thought you knew. Uncle
3: John died of cancer. Oops. No, Charlie, I, I I, didn't know. That, That's tough.
12: Yeah, that is tough.
13: I'm sorry, gentlemen. It's time for O'Hara's shots, uh, if you know what I mean. You'll have to leave.
3: So long, Danny. We're pulling for you. We'll keep our fingers crossed. Keep your chin up, Danny. They could come
6: up with a cure for cancer tomorrow.
12: Thanks for coming, guys. Come back and see me again.
6: Once the trio was out of the cancer patient's earshot. What's the big idea, you stupid, anal
2: idiot? Why'd
3: you tell him about your uncle dying of cancer? He
2: asked me. That's why. It's out. I was nervous.
3: Man, I'm not going back there again. He looks terrible. It's too
8: depressing. I don't think I will either.
6: Back in Danny's hospital room, a smartly dressed man enters the room.
8: Hi there, Mr. O'Hara. I'm Chaplain Collins. May I talk with you for a minute? Hell no! Get out of here! Uh, maybe some other time.
12: Listen, preacher, I'm going where all my (laughs) friends are, and I'd rather be with them than in heaven with religious stuffed shirts like you, so beat it!
8: Oh, that hurts, man. Could I leave you a Bible?
12: Puss lick Bubo squirt. You get out of my room right now, or I'll call the nurse, and you know what
6: you can do with that Bible. No. Shortly thereafter, while Danny was enjoying a magazine full of hardcore pornography, his roommate decided uh, to make uh, his presence uh, uh, uh. known.
10: You were wrong!
12: You mean about throwing the preacher out? No, I mean about being in hell with your friends! Ho-ho! Oh. All of my friends are going to hell. We'll have a good time. Oh, you won't be able
10: to see them. <laughs> it's a place of thick darkness. Sulphur has a fall for flame. Or something like that. It's dark. It's very dark. You'll have all your desires, but they will never be satisfied. It will be horrible. It will be like that story about the guy rolling the stone up the hill. You will see no one. To hear about it, you lactating malcontent, you go to hell. I can't.
6: And the roommate's obnoxiousness continued like that until one week later. I
12: wonder why those guys never Jesus came back. I guess they're too busy. Mm-hmm. I've got a friend who'll never let me down. Shut up! Stop trying to convert me. My friends would never
6: forgive me if I became a Christian. Nearby, a doctor and nurse consults about the case. Doctor, Mr.
13: O'Hara's condition is becoming
6: critical.
8: Increase the medication. Whatever it is, he's on. We'll try to stop the pain. It'll probably be over in a few days, and then his body is mine.
6: That night... Hey, hey, hey,
12: O'Hara. Hey, O'Hara, are you asleep? No, you taco-licking monkey whomper! I wish I were! Let me tell you something, let me ask you. come on, come on, do you know about love? Nudge, nudge, wink, wink, come on! You mean sex? <laughs> yeah, I know a lot about making love. I guess those days are gone forever. Hey, O'Hara, you asleep yet? <laughs> If not, can I tell you a story? Yeah, yeah. Tell me another one of your lousy stories. I've got nothing
10: better to do. Okay, this this one. You're going to love this one now. Trust me on this one. Okay, here here's here it is now. Once upon a time, there were these two Chinese brothers in San Francisco in the early 1900s. And dig this now. This is the key part here. The oldest really loved his kid brother. Yeah, I hated mine. Well, anyway, the younger kid, so I was saying anyway, was gambling in an alley, you know, and got into a fight, you see. And he cut this guy really bad up and died, you know, and just chopped his head off. And the kid ran home with blood all over his clothes, I've done this really cool an action story. When the kid got home, he changed his clothes, hid the bloody ones in the closet, but the cops knew where they lived, and they were coming for him. You see what I'm saying now? I've had a lot of caffeine, darn nurses, the caffeine and everything, and the older brother just got home when the kid took off. He saw the bloody clothes and put them on his older one to protect his kid brother. Now, he was tried for murder, and they executed him. But the kid brother, you see, now this is a real key part here. He was really upset now, he was crying all over his, well, he came and confessed for the crime, and they told him the crime had already been paid for, so they couldn't kill him.
12: Hey, that was some story. Thanks. He really loved his kid brother, didn't he? Mm, nobody would ever do
10: something like that for me. Oh, but that's where you're wrong, O'Hara. You gotta understand, somebody already has done it for you. I mean, when Jesus, you know, the guy that I've been talking about for like the last three weeks and everything, he, well, he went to the cross and he did it for Danny O'Hara. You. That's right, you. He died for you to wash away all your sins in blood and wine. You see, Jesus was God in the flesh. That's how much he loves you. Now, how about that? Won't you receive Jesus as your Lord? How many times do I I have to tell you, I can't. My
12: friends would laugh at me. I couldn't take that. Nurse! Nurse! For God's sake! Give me
10: something
13: for the pain! I can't stand it!
10: And give me something to calm me down!
13: Oh, definitely. Just a second, Mr. O'Hara and his roommate will take care of both of you very shortly.
10: You're not too sharp, are you, O'Hara? What do you mean by that? Oh, because of your so-called friends. Think about them for a moment. I mean, I'm talking. I told you the story about the Chinese kid and his brother, right now. Did I tell you that one? Because I don't remember at this point anyway. I think I did, but anyway, your so-called friends, they're gonna miss out on the chance to get a beautiful new body. What are you talking about? A body that will never feel pain because Jesus is gonna return to the earth in tremendous power and he's gonna just set up an international rule in Jerusalem. We're talking big, bigger than big. You could rule there with him. You know that, Danny O'Hara? You could judge angels, enjoy wealth beyond belief. Your new body will be perfect with no flaws, not even that blemish I see all over your body that just going, I mean, I don't know how you even got a wife with that. But no, you want to throw it all the way on people who don't even think enough of you to come visit them again. I mean, God loves you, Danny O'Hara. He's got tremendous things planned for you. But I'm rotten. Why would he want all this for me? Well, because he loves you, Danny. I mean, the Bible, which is not capitalized in the in the tract I'm reading, but that's okay. I mean, I'm, I'm reading this all of a script on my charts here, but the Bible says God is not willing that any shall perish, especially not Danny O'Hara, because he's got big plans for you, including an Oscar, but that would all come back into repentance.
12: Would he forgive me for everything I've done? Oh, every single thing, man. But I've done things no one even knows about. I know
10: about them, and God already knows about them. If I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior, how do I know I will go to heaven? Oh, it's very simple. I mean, the Bible, which is now capitalized, I don't know why they do this on my charts, but this is the way it is. You know, the Bible says that he hath the Son hath life. And it also says this, and this is a really cool statement here. These things I have written unto you that have eternal life. Dig it. Come into my
12: heart, Lord Jesus. Oh God, I am a sinner. Please save me. Just don't ask him to save me you from a roommate. But did you do it, Danny? Yes. Now, what do you have? I have peace. It's like nothing I've ever had before.
10: God really does love me, doesn't he? Oh, that's right, Danny O'Hara. Danny O'Hara, here's a question for you. That's right. Question for you, Danny O'Hara. 5,000 hour question here. Who does God love more? The Lord Jesus or you? That's stupid. He loves Jesus more. Incorrect. You lose the 5,000 simoleons. Listen to this. Danny O'Hara, Jesus made you pray for his father in heaven, that he who loveth which thou hast gone before me may be in them. That's you, Danny O'Hara, and I in them.
12: That's beautiful. Thank you. I'm sure glad I'm going this way and Instead of a heart attack like that guy on last week's
10: tract. Wow, I remember that guy. He came through this room last week. But why do you say that?
12: This way I had a chance to find out how much God loves me and how I'll be in his love throughout eternity.
10: Well, thank God you made it because I'm about to die of a heart attack anyway. Oh, man, this is too hot for me.
12: And that's
3: the end of the tract. Uh, room uh, 310. Yeah. What we're going to do now is we're going to have a debate. It's going to be debatity. debate the It's going to be wonderful. debate De-batastic. Um, Debonatorial.
13: Analtastic? No,
3: that was the idiot. The <laughs> analtastic idiot. Um, What we're going to talk about now is the debate. Uh, we need two debaters, uh, We, which we have secluded in the seclusion area. Now they're coming yes. in right now. Uh, debater. Debater number one. What is your name, sir?
12: Greetings, you repulsive, putrid-smelling morons. I am Lucifer, bringer of light, first of the fallen. Oh, there we got Lucifer
3: there. That's all. always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. And uh, debater number two. Oh, what, oh, I'm sorry, ma'am. There you are. I, I was looking for you. What's your name?
13: Uh, Lucy. Uh, I'm sorry,
3: Lucy Sky. that's what they call me on weekends.
13: On weekends, you have a different name. On weekends,
3: Lucy Lucifer. It's a nickname. I think is what he's saying. Well, in order to uh, in order to stem the tide of confusion, if we anybody calls Lucifer by a nickname, call him Furry, not Lucy. Um. All right.
13: So no matter what, he just has a gay nickname,
3: ma'am. Actually, what is your background? Uh, We we kind of know who he is. Who are you?
13: Um, uh, I'm just someone who was not You know, scared of Satan.
3: Okay, so you're somebody who can take off the Everyone else is off
13: washing their pants because they peed in them.
3: Yeah, man.
13: And I'm the only one left. I just
3: bought these slacks too. I was just here to
13: watch, but yeah, whatever. All
3: right, well let's let's have our traditional coin flip. Okay, Lucy, you believe that this is correct. This tract was 100% true. Oh, totally. And Satan, I'm sorry, uh Dark Lord, you believe that this is 100% false. So, uh traditionally okay. the person who believes that what we just read was false gets to go first. Uh you're on the attack. You can tell us why you believe this is untrue. You. That's you. Me. Yeah, you say that what we just read out loud was fake, was false.
1: Oh. Mm-hmm.
12: Of course. As you all know, God is up there in his throne spitting loogies down on all of us in
13: his
12: throne in in his on his throne yes throwing his holy loogies down upon us just like that, thank you. And he does not love you, he hates you. And that is the point, that is why this track is stupid. Because God hates all of you, just like I do. That's why we get along on weekends, when he calls me Lucy. Bow, chicko, wow, hallelujah?
13: Wait a minute, wait. does that mean you're God's bitch?
12: <coughs> Only on Saturdays. On Sundays, it's my turn.
13: Well, it makes sense, Shabbos and all.
12: They trade off, but, you know. Okay. Wait, Sundays, it's your turn. No, day of rest means he lies there chained to his holy bed. That makes sense, that's how I relax as well. The bed
3: is holy.
13: Dude, Satan, TMI. T-M-I. Uh, wait, hold
3: on now, hold on. So now, that's why so you say it's false because God is is too busy splitting If loogies. God loved you, why would he have given
13: me
12: life?
3: That's
13: um, a good point. you weren't Such a pain in the butt back then. (laughs) You were all glowy and nice for his throne. I'm not the pain in the butt. Nightlight. After
3: a weekend with me, he limps all day. (laughs) I have a question for uh, the defender of this tract.
13: Um. Yes. Yes.
3: Now, in in this tract, the roommate is saying that uh, you can rule with Jesus, uh, and that you know when when you're judged righteous and everything, you you will enjoy. uh, Let me see what the I think it was enjoy unlimited wealth. Let me let me just double check. Yes, it says enjoy wealth beyond belief it's now true. here's what I'm wondering if what? all the people who are judged righteous mm-hmm, mm-hmm. are going to be enjoying wealth beyond belief yeah, yeah. and all the people who are you know, not judged righteous are going to be in hell uh, won't that completely destroy the economy of paradise well
13: there isn't really an economy in paradise I mean it's hard to have that in the first place when you have already have stones paved with gold I mean that alone would screw up the economy
3: so then well then what's the how can you enjoy this wealth you're, if you can't spend it you're not wealthy
13: in a material way you are, are wealthy in a spirit Way. That, and you have all the sushi you can eat for eternity.
12: Satan, any retort? Unless you are in fish hell, in which case you get to eat people sushi.
13: Uh,
2: Wait, no. in hell? In hell
12: you get sushi? Fish don't
3: like eating people. That's why it's <laughs> hellish to them. Okay, we actually have an expert on, uh, not on sushi,
11: but on this tract in general. Why? Um, I'm a cancer cell. This is a cancer cell. Hi. Uh, I'm coming for you. Ooh. And you. And you. That's right. I kill indiscriminately. Oh, oh. look. A delicious cancer cell. I attack mm. any part of your body, be it your skin, liver, genitalia, throat, eyes. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Lysol. So... I'm sorry. It's been proven that nothing can cure me. Like Dennis Leary said, there is no cure for cancer cells. Well, there- I'm invincible. I'm the top of the evolutionary ladder. Well, well I, I think there's,
3: on there's one cure. What? Killing your host. I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> All right, but Boy, I, I
11: better talk with well, the other kids While you're here, before this.
3: we kill your host, actually. Okay. I have a question. Uh, so, yes. As an expert, do you think the tract was correct about cancer or not?
11: Oh, it portrays cancer in a very accurate way. The terminal rate for us is near 100. Cancer. I don't care what you. You have all these relays for life, and save this, and do that, and wear ribbons around your chest. It's not gonna save you. No ribbon, no matter the color, is going to protect you from any disease. Well, I'm invincible. Would it be
3: safe to say that people should make sure if they are uh, that that they should make sure regularly that they should see a doctor about whether or not they have cancer on a fairly regular basis? Would it be safe to say that?
11: No, actually,
3: I think nobody it would should be safe check to say that. because
11: <laughs> I want to live. I want my brothers and sisters of cancer to join me. We want to take down your lungs, take down your heart with my stomach. Watch out, bottom, of the boil, Man, or boil just on the bottom? Like,
13: doesn't shut up, does it? No.
11: Although I'm told evil. he,
10: although I'm told he grows on you.
13: Evil.
11: <laughs> that was the worst joke I've heard since
10: 1988.
13: Evil. <laughs> what, what was the joke not, you heard then?
10: I may not be an expert on this subject, but in my own personal opinion, I think cancer is awesome. Thank you.
13: Evil. <laughs> well, why don't you two go All right. form a club or right. something? Cancer Satan. club.
10: Satan. Come on, let's go smoke some more. We,
3: we've got to, We've got to start oh, wrapping this this debate up. So, uh, <laughs> Satan and Lucy, if you would both. Uh, Uh, please make some
12: sort of closing arguments so that we can decide. An interesting fact about cancer. If you are a good Catholic Christian whatever and you end up going to heaven because you died from cancer, your cancer goes to heaven with you. And you spend all of eternity walking around bald and miserable. Listening to my annoying voice. Listening to to his annoying voice. So I recommend not repenting and going to hell and spending time with me and on weekends, God. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And no cancer. So go to heaven. Except
11: God. All right.
13: Wait, no. Wait, Speaking
3: of cancer, Lucy won the debate.
13: Without even Without a bottle. Sorry, even Lucifer. Rev-
3: <laughs> Lucifer, your closing arguments were so poor. <laughs> wow. That you just, well, I don't even need to hear what she has to say. <laughs> <laughs>
13: well, <laughs> you know, Prince of Lies, yada yada.
3: In fact, that's actually one of the things I was thinking. Yes, you're right. Good point. Prince of Lies.
12: Well, as we know, God spits loogies down from heaven. And guess what? I can hey, shoot
13: up at you, you from hell.
12: Right. Lugies? No. Oh. Well, I guessed wrong. Something
3: hotter. So then, uh.
13: Well, that explains hot geysers. Now does like
3: magma? <laughs> magma. Right. Like magma. Satan's bullets. Magmesk. All right. Well, thank you for being here for Tractor Fiction. Gonna Anyone bring any, any holy
13: water? He, this guy starting to smell bad.
3: Yes, yeah, I got some holy water right here. Shoot some. Oh, you got. The, oh, there it goes holy water.
12: Ow, oh, the pain! Ow! Oh. That's what you okay, get. How about Why a sniper rifle? Boom! Oh, baby! All right! All right! Now I'm <laughs> hot for you. <laughs> ah! Bye,
3: bye.
0: That episode of Tractor Fiction featured the voice talents of Frank Allen, Aaron Bass, Scott Finbow, Derek McNish, Magdalena Richards, Nicholas Roach, Daniel Schwartz, Sam Thomason. Devon White and Jordan D. White. Thank you very much, Rory. Thank you so much. Now, Frank, we discussed um, after last show, the last show was too long. It went over by a few minutes. I like to keep them under an hour and 20 minutes in order that people could put them on a CD if they wanted to. But last week's went over. And I think in part, Frank, that was because uh, your interview was so long. Well, yeah, I can understand. What you're saying. I mean, it wasn't that long, but yeah, it was, it was a little longer than usual. Yes. And so as a result, I specifically asked you to do shorter interviews, uh, correct? Absolutely. And I did so. You did. Excellent. Excellent. Now, I understand this is a much shorter interview. Uh, well, this is Sh- uh, shorter interviews hmm? Shorter interviews That's what you asked for Yes So that's this Yeah Alright let's get right to it Thank you very much Frank Allen Interviews Starring Frank Allen Hello, welcome to Frank Allen Interviews. My name's Frank Allen. I am an investigative journalist. I'm doing investigative interviews, and as we had a request to have shorter interviews, we are gonna do some shorter interviews here today. Uh let me see, who do we have here? Sir, can you come here, please? What? Uh yeah, what's going on? Sir, what's your name?
3: My name is uh Dusty Fuchs. What?
0: Dusty? Dusty Fuchs? Okay, uh, got a question for you. Have you ever killed a man? What? Uh I, I no, no, I've never killed No. Why would you even I don't know you sound like you're stuttering a little bit. That means you're probably lying. Uh was it in Vietnam?
3: Did you kill anybody in Vietnam? I was uh, that's a that's, it's a war. It's a different kind but of But you thing. did do it. Okay,
0: uh let's see. Was, now was it a war crime?
3: That's a real question. Was it a War crime? Were you acting on orders, or were you just killing for fun? Was it a civilian? No, I, I, no. I, I, what were you trying to do to me? What, oh, this is not right. Oh, I think. I think it sounds like war. Okay, uh, Dusty Fuchs of where, do you, where are you from? Dusty from Queens, Queens, New York. Dusty Fuchs, Queens, New York. Uh, probably committed a war crime. This is Frank Allen interview right here, and we got another
0: one coming right up. Frank Allen interviews, starring Frank Allen. Back with another Frank Allen interview. My name is Frank Allen, and who do we have here, sir? Can you tell me your name? Yeah, my name is Vincent Wishaw. Vincent Wishaw of where are you from? I'm from Brooklyn. Vincent Wishaw of Brooklyn. Now, I have any. I have a question. Do you have any uh, illegal drugs on you at this time, right now? Uh, no, no, I don't. Okay. Have you ever done illegal drugs at any time in, in the past? Um, uh, well, in the past, sure, at least one time. All right, Vincent Wishaw. Uh, he admits to doing drugs at one time in the past. Was it within the uh, statutory limitations? I I couldn't say. Besides, it's only illegal to possess them, right? Well, so. you can possess them in order to do them, obviously. So you're admitting to possession uh, in public. Uh, the police have you on record We're going to have to arrest you As soon as humanly possible Thank you very much This is a Frank Allen interview We'll have another one Coming up in just a second Frank Allen interviews Starring Frank Allen Welcome back to Frank Allen interviews My name is Frank Allen And this right here Please introduce yourself Sir, what's your name? Uh, my name is Miles 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 McCullough, And where, where are you from? I'm from Scotland, of course Excellent, excellent Actually from Scotland Now, uh, do you have a green card? No, I'm not a citizen I'm here on, on vacation Okay, oh, right. you're on vacation uh, Are you planning to bring Anything illegal Back through customs? N- no Okay Um, well, have you ever done anything illegal? No. I think you're lying. And, uh, in a way you're kind of under oath because it's going to be broadcast. I don't think that's how it works. No, that's not, okay, technically that's not how it works. But I'm sure you've done something wrong. Miles McCullough of Scotland, I'm sure he's done something wrong. Everybody, uh, keep your eye on him if you're in Scotland. Uh, we got another Frank Allen interview coming up just now. Frank
3: Allen Interviews. Starring Frank Allen. Sir, what's your name? My name's Owen Moon. Owen Moon, excellent. And where do you live, sir? I live in Manhattan, Thirty uh, Fourth Street. Manhattan, okay. Manhattan, New York. That's a very uh, good place. Uh, lots of people there. Lots of crime goes on there, don't you think? Yeah, lots of crime. All sorts of crime. Have you ever hired a prostitute, Owen? What? No. Why would you ask well, that? You're not a good-looking man, so I doubt you can get a lot of dates on your own. I'm thinking you're probably the kind of guy. Uh, that's no. That's not. That's not nice, man. I don't know why you saying that. Well, you look like. I'm just saying you look like the type. I bet you have. Okay. Well, if I hold on, if I if I bought a prostitute for you, would you you know engage in her services? Well, I mean, if you
0: pay for it, sure. All right. See, he's, he's indicating a willingness to commit a crime. Police, that is a bad thing. He sounds like a criminal to me. This has been a crazy investigative journalism. We've got one more Frank Allen interview coming up next. Frank Allen Interviews, starring Frank Allen. Hey, I'm Frank Allen here with another Frank Allen interview, and this is a gentleman I just stopped on the street. Gentlemen, what's your name, sir? My name's Lon Gaskins. Lon Gaskins. Lon Gaskins. Uh, Now let me ask you a question: Are you married, Lon Gaskins? Yes, yes, I am. All right. Well, uh, have you ever cheated on your wife? What? Have you ever cheated on your wife? I'm just saying you look like you're a good-looking guy. You could probably get a woman if you wanted to. Uh, Have you ever cheated on your wife? Please tell us right now. Tell us the truth. No, and I'm insulted that you would even ask me that. That's ridiculous. All right. Well, have you ever done any drugs? No. Why why are you even? You're 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 confronting me on the street with these ridiculous. no, 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 hold on, hold on, okay. Uh, have you ever stolen anything? Ah, White collar, what ki- white collar crime? You've got a tie, you've got a suit. It's probably a white collar crime. Have you embezzled? I, I don't have to take this. No, but I'm doing an interview. This is your interview. I'm just doing an investigative interview. I got one more time. How about this? Uh, have you ever molested a child? Hang on now, ow, what is this? <laughs> hey, you can assault this. Ma- this gentleman just assaulted me. That's a crime. He's he's gone now, but whatever his name was, Lon Lon Gaskins. I don't know where he lived, but he assaulted me. So we, you know, we've just what we've what we're. Learning today is people in New York. Oh. What we're learning today is The people in New York Have committed a lot of crimes This is not a nice place to, to live People are criminals here You know uh, We've got, we got What do we have We had a murderer We had a war crime murderer I mean uh, We had a drug addict We had a prostitute hirer Or user anyway And this guy's an assaulter <laughs> This is terrible This is a terrible place 100% crime rate We, we talk to However many people 100% of them are criminals So uh, Be careful out there It's a dangerous world This is Frank Allen ah, This is Frank Allen With a uh, Frank Allen interview we'll be back next week <laughs> Frank I mean that's okay First of all, that's not what I meant by shorter interviews. I meant like, you know, if you did one interview that lasted as long as that, that would be a shorter interview and that would be better than a, like a 15 minute interview. I didn't mean do five interviews like a minute long. I mean each one of those interviews taken on its own is the worst interview you've ever done and together they are like they, they, they're, they each is a negative one and combined they're like a negative five so like this is a giant negative. What? No, no, those are good interviews. Those are investigative journalism. I'm fine out, you know, secrets and revealing crimes live on the air. This is... That's not what investigative journalists do. They do. They bust people for things. Sometimes they bust people for things, yes, but they don't don't just pick random people and ask them if they've ever broken the law. They do research. They do investigations. You didn't investigate anything. I did. I investigated their behaviors. I said, did you do this? Did you do this? And I listen to their responses and I look at what they don't quite say because sometimes they don't say the truth. You don't have any proof of that, though. Investigative journalists get proof of things. They, like, you know... Find out the true, true truth about things. And they, they, you know, they have evidence. They have things to support. You know what? It's I don't care. It doesn't matter. No, it it matters to me. investigative journalist like myself. No, it doesn't matter because here's okay. You know what? Here's what we're going to do. I bet you Scape can do a better interview than you. No, that's not. No, that's not true. Uh, yeah, I think it's true. No, it's not. We both think it's true. Yeah, it's true. I actually agree as well. <laughs> well, no one cares what you think. You don't have anything to do with it. <laughs> what I'm going to do is, Frank, I'm going to say next week Scape gets to do an interview. Scape, are you up for that? is I could do it. Okay. So, you're going to interview someone next week and Frank's going to take a week off. No, why do I have to take a week off? Can g- give him Rory. The guy the guy in the mail said to give him Rory slot. But my slot isn't long enough for an interview cuz I only do like 2 minutes. Yeah, I mean there's no there's no reason to get rid of Rory's slot. It's it's like such a small piece of the show. Yours is a, is a big piece sometimes. And so I'm going to have Scape do an interview next week. <sighs> that's, you know, that's totally unfair. Yeah. Hey, Frank, you know, take the time. It's an extra week. Build something up. Get something really good for the when you come back. I'm going to. And meanwhile, Scape will do an interview and I'm and we'll see if it's better than the one you just did or maybe even better than any of the ones you've done.
1: It will. It will. It will be better because, uh, I know how to ask
0: stuff. Yeah, I know how to ask stuff. It's not just about asking stuff. There's a lot to it.
1: Oh. Uh. No, it sounds like you just ask yourself. I was listening to your
0: interviews. Yeah, but that, no, it's, uh, there's a lot of thinking. You don't hear what I'm thinking. Well, maybe if we heard what you were thinking, we would be able to appreciate them more. Well, you want me to do like a, a running commentary on the interview? Well, no, that wouldn't work. It's, a, it's an audio interview. No, just listen. Scape's going to do one. We'll see how it works. And you can tell me what's wrong with Scape's if you think Scape's isn't good. But for now, next week escape, you do an interview. we do. All right. Now we've got um, an episode. Oh, this is very special, actually. We have the last episode of season one of Decker and Hayes. Now, this is a big finale. You get to find out the truth behind the whole mystery of the entire season. In addition, it's the last uh, live recording episode of Decker and Hayes. So it's the last one that's going to have a little bit of, uh, you know, studio noise from from being recorded live on the air. Wrapping up the big season, it's an extra long episode in that it's like, what, like 15, 16 minutes long. I wrote it myself and uh, I'm pretty proud of but I think it has some great moments in it, so here you go Decker and Hayes.
8: Decker and Hayes, Episode 9 Love and Death by Jordan D. White. A city where, more often than not, love and death aren't just two sides of the same coin. They usually share a side. Stella Decker, half of what used to be the city's best PI firm, Decker and Hayes. Death seemed to be getting in love's way at every turn. When she and Macy Hayes had been hired by Tess Nichols to investigate her husband, Jack's death, outside the Blue Diner, she'd figured it was just a quick buck- She'd not expected that Macy would shoot Tess while she was attempting to slip her tongue in Stella's mouth, and a knife in Stella's ribs. She hadn't guessed Macy would leave her cold during the biggest snowstorm of the year, and go on to shoot Jack Nichols dead. Again. On top of all that, there was the whole issue of the Blue Diner itself. Why did someone keep smashing all of its blue plates? Who had killed its owner, Stickler? Was it Tony Cross, who'd shot him only the day before? Stella was doing her best to answer these questions without her former partner, but with the help of Tommy Potsdam, her secretary, and Julian McGinnis, a rival PI who'd been hired by the late diner owner. Of course, Stella had no idea that the two of them had been kidnapped by Rhiannon Rose, Tommy's sometime girlfriend and Cross's sometime assassin. Macy Hayes, on the other hand, knew quite a bit more about what was going on. She'd seen Jack Nichols before he died the second time, heard him mention the code. The news had said that he'd been shot six times. What it hadn't mentioned was that five of those shots were in non-fatal areas, places that it would just hurt badly. She knew Cross's methods well enough to recognize them. He'd taken her gun, at least one of them, while she was unconscious in that bell tower. In Cross's business, where there was a code, there was something to decode. Now she stood in the alleyway behind the blue diner, jimmying the lock with a credit card.
4: Come open.
8: Finally, the lock clacked, and Macy was able to swing the door open. She slowly made her way into the kitchen of the diner, her feet crunching on little bits of broken porcelain as she went. Every single plate, bowl, coffee cup, and saucer in the kitchen had been smashed on the floor. Macy went out the swinging door into the diner proper. Here, too, the floor and countertop were covered with the shattered blues.
4: Okay, I can do this. Jack was here. He found nothing. Cross was here. He found nothing. Plates. Plates. I can do this.
8: She turned her gaze away from the shelves and such, the places one would normally find plates. She scanned the ceilings and the walls. She looked right past it twice before realizing, in the window, a decorated sign saying just what Stickler had told her. The Blue Diner, where every dish is a blue plate special and mounted right there in the sign was one perfect blue porcelain plate. Macy walked to the window and pulled the plate out of the display. On the back was a tiny sticker, Made in China. She held the plate up and brought it down hard on the counter, exploding it into shards that joined their siblings all over the floor, with one special difference. Among all the broken bits came something else. Something in a plastic shell. Macy picked it up and examined it. It was a data key for a computer. Bingo. Macy hurried out of the diner, one loose end to wrap up before she could rest. Meanwhile, Stella was doing some investigation on her own in her office. Cross had been honest with her about at least one thing. Ashley J. Stickler used to be advisor for a number of the top businesses in town before retiring to run the Blue Diner, a diner which made him an insane amount of money on a regular basis, according to the IRS. Things were just coming together in her mind when she heard someone entering the outer office. She was about to call out Tommy's name when she heard voices. She stood by the door and listened. I'm telling you, she's in the hospital. She won't be coming back here anytime soon.
13: Nice try. She checked out a few hours ago. Rhiannon, I don't understand why- Look, Tommy, it's not personal, it's business. I've got my job to do, you've got yours, and right now, mine is to get this dike. Check the office.
8: The door to Stella's office opened and Tommy put his head in.
4: Shhh. Um, no one's here. Mm. What are we going to do? Wait here for her?
13: That's the plan. She'll come back eventually.
4: She'll know we're here. She's no idiot. She'll see the
2: car.
13: (laughs) Your car. So she'll assume her good buddy Julie's here.
8: Stella slipped her cell phone out of her pocket and dialed the number for Tommy's desk phone. It began ringing in the
13: lobby. Do you want me to get... There's a machine, right? Let that get
4: it. You've reached the offices of Decker and Hayes, Parlor Town PIs. Please leave your name, number, and message, and we'll get back to
7: you as soon as possible. Tommy, I was hoping you'd be in, but... uh, Listen, I've got nothing on this case. Total dead end. I'm going to head back to the office. I'll be there in just a few minutes. So, if you hear this, just wait up, and I'll be by. All right? Thanks for everything. See that?
13: What'd I tell you? Now both of you, sit down and shut up. I've got some business to take care
8: of. Rhiannon took out her flip phone and dialed. You'll never get away with this.
13: Shut it! No, no, not you, sir. Yes, yeah, she'll be here any minute, Paladin. I can take care of her. Who, Hayes? No, from the boys here, say, she's out of the picture. Gone. How did she get her hands on it? Yeah, I know the history between you two. You told me enough during training. Anyway, what should I... What? Cross, no! But I really like this one. I, I understand that, sir. I, I, I do know that, sir. Yes, sir. And I appreciate that, sir. Fine. I said fine, didn't I? Uh, I'll call in when she's been taken care of. No, I won't miss this time. Okay, sir. Goodbye.
8: She put her phone away and pointed her gun at McGinnis and Tommy again.
13: Okay, boys, fun's over. I'm sorry about this, Tommy, but like I said, business is business. You're not the first boyfriend I've lost, and you probably won't be the last. Watch how you sane!
8: Wise up, kid. Your girlfriend's about to shoot us both in the head.
13: But Miss Dekka will still come whether you're here to see it or not. Too bad you weren't the type to take advantage while you could.
7: Now you'll never get the chance. Maybe not with you.
8: Stella fired a gun directly into Rhiannon's back, just left of the spine. A heart shot, her specialty. The gun's kick made Stella's shoulder ache. Rhiannon fell to the floor, the gun tumbling out of her hands and rolling toward Julian's feet, where he quickly scooped it up, holding it delicately to avoid smudging her prints.
2: Nice save, Stella. I thought we were gonna
7: bite it for sure. Enough about your love life. Give me your keys. I think saving you is probably worth that favor. Sure, here you go. Where are you going? The cops aren't gonna like that. You and Tommy can take care of them for me. Tell them everything. Just like it happened. Only, leave out the phone call she made. I saved you, took your car, but you don't know where I'm going. And she never made that call. Where are you going, Miss Stacker? Unless I'm way off? She said Tony Cross has a meeting with Macy. I'm going to get to the bottom of this. Macy wouldn't kill anyone without a damned good reason. I know it. I've got to find her, clear her name, and figure out who the hell this Cross guy is on top of it.
8: Be careful, Stell. This guy sounds like a dangerous cat. I need you to live long enough to repay all these favors I owe you. Count on it. Stella jumped into McGinnis' car, and even with three feet of snow having fallen, and Parlortown having subpar plowing Capabilities. She drove well over the speed limit, occasionally skidding into a mailbox or street sign that did little to hold back the vehicle. She parked half on the sidewalk in front of Wexler and Cross's offices. She strode through reception without breaking her stride, gun in hand.
6: Dr. Cross's- Shut up!
8: I'm calling the police. Please! Stella kicked open the door to Cross's office to find the man sitting at his desk, looking like the dog that ate the cat that ate the canary. Once he realized who had barged into his domain, his expression became a little more shocked.
7: Miss Decker! What brings you? Stoic Cross. Your little girly is dead, and I'm not. Surprise! Now, you're going to tell me what the hell is going on.
3: I have no idea what you're talking about, madame.
7: Let me get the ball rolling, then. You used to have connections with Stickler back when he was a financial advisor. Conveniently enough, at the same time that Wexler and Cross went from a twinkle in your eye to a multi-million dollar firm, Stickler retires and starts up a diner, which, according to its financial records, feeds about 2,500 people a day. Ring any bells?
11: Don't stop now. You're on a roll.
7: Around the time your partner's son-in-law was killed, for the first time anyway, he started ordering plates for the Blue Diner, and someone starts breaking them on a weekly basis.
5: What's that got to do with me?
7: I told you earlier, you shot Stickler. He told me so himself, before your girly killed him. The way I figure, you must have caught wind of whatever was going on at the Blue right under the nose of that money you were slipping Stickler. So, what was it? Drugs? Gems?
2: (laughs) (laughs) You little idiot. You complete moron. You have no idea what you've fallen into. You have no
5: idea of the scope, the size, or the shape of it. You're looking at the tip of an iceberg, asking who dropped an ice cube in the ocean.
7: So how about you fill me in? Why
5: should I? Do I look like I teach preschool? You think I'm afraid of you just because you've got a gun? I stare down more barrels than you've licked. What? What are you doing? No,
2: don't...
8: Ah! Cross's head exploded onto the back of his chair in a rain of blood and brains. Stella looked down curiously at the gun in her hand, which clearly had not been fired. Slowly she turned around to see Macy standing behind her, smoke whispering from her piece as she brought it down from her side and then threw it onto the ground.
7: Hi, honey. What the hell is going on here, Macy? Why did you kill him? Who the hell is Cross to you anyway? What's this all about? Have you been playing with me? No, darling, no. I
4: I would never. I love you. Cross was history to me. Ancient history long over until this case.
7: So spill it, Mace.
8: Macy walked slowly to the couch along the wall of Cross's office and sat down, resting her weary limbs. She was tired of the lies. Tired of all of it. Stella could hear it in her voice.
4: Before I met you, before we met, I wasn't always on the up and up. I I know, I know, you ran with a gang. But I'm talking about, I spent some time in the agency, the CIA. It wasn't really me, so after a while I went private. I was recruited by Cross. We did missions, espionage, killings, corporate sabotage, stealing government secrets, all for the highest bidder. It was good money, but eventually my conscience tracked me down and made me quit. It was just before Crossman big time with Wexler really started running with the big boys. If he hadn't been so fond of me, he never would have let me out alive.
7: Then you knew Stickler, too.
4: No, I never met him but I'm sure he was one of Cross's informants. He had quite a few back then. Alright, so what about
7: this case? What are we even doing?
4: Jack Nichols started it all. From what I can gather, he was tired of being a third-rate embezzler, and the hat factory he was working was going to be closing down and moving to China. So he used what connections he could through Wexler to start his own deal. Through those channels, he made a deal to have something smuggled into America by being hidden inside of a porcelain plate that would then be ordered by the Blue Diner. He didn't want to cut sticker (laughs) in on anything, so he broke in and smashed the plates so they would need new ones. Once they came, and he kept on smashing, trying to find his goods. What he didn't realize was that Cross would catch wind of something and get curious. He was the one who met with Jack at the Blue Diner and talked earlier on the night he died. Jack must have figured it was safer to fake his own death than to risk facing Cross's wrath. But what about
7: Tess? Why did she hire us?
4: She was lying to us. She knew all about her husband's plan, all except the fake death. He thought she was the one who gave him up to Cross. She hired us to see who killed him and to find
7: her the goods. Alright, Macy, enough beating around the bush. What was it? This.
8: Macy took the data key out of her handbag and tossed it to Stella. She caught the device and looked at it.
7: What's on it?
4: Dollars to Donuts is full of schematics, access codes, and other information on the Chinese government's nuclear arsenal. But we'll never know now.
7: What? Why?
4: There were three people in this country who knew the code to decrypt the information on that key. Two of them were named Nichols, and the other is dead across the room. That's why I had to kill him. I couldn't allow this information to fall into anyone's hands. I wouldn't even trust our government with it, not after what I saw in the agency. Now we don't have to worry. You can keep it, destroy it, whatever you want. You'll be safe, everyone will be safe. <laughs> it's like I'm a hero or something.
7: Then we can tell them what happened. Everything will be fine. You'll be a hero, just like you said.
4: No, style no, no. I-, I can't tell them how I knew what I knew without telling them about my past with Cross. And trust me, that's not something I want to admit to. If they knew everything... Treason is still a capital offense. No, we can call it murder. At least I'll get away with my life, baby. I'm
7: not going to let you do this. You
8: don't have a choice. Officer Sheridan stood in the door to cross his office, his gun drawn. Stella immediately put her own gun back in his holster and put her hands up. If what I gather
0: here is true, then there's no way around the murder rap. Macy called me herself. Why'd you do it, kid?
4: Someone had to, old man. I'd rather it was me than someone I love.
0: Macy stared into Stella's eyes
8: as Sheridan handcuffed her. First one hand, then the other. He began walking Macy out of the room.
0: I'm going to need you to come downtown and make a statement too, Miss Decker, about this and a little showdown at your offices. Can I trust you to bring yourself in?
7: Oh, of course. Just just wait.
0: Sheridan
8: stopped where he was, Macy at his side.
7: Macy, I love you. I I would never... I've never... No I love you too. I'm going to be waiting for you. I know you will.
8: Come on, Miss Macy leaned into Stella one last time and kissed her softly before Sheridan escorted her out of the office and out of Stella's sight. Stella stood there for another minute before slowly returning to McGinnis' car and driving on into the station. She made her statements as best she could, trying to protect Macy to do her best to make her actions sound as noble as possible without revealing her secrets. It didn't go very well. Macy Hayes was held without bail. Stella returned to her
7: office that night. Hey, Stella! There you are! I've been waiting all day. What happened? I don't want to talk about it. Is Miss Hayes all right? I can't... I don't want to talk about it here. Tommy, take the day. Take the rest of the week off. Julian, your keys.
8: You know, I missed the date tonight because of you. Stella said nothing. She just sat down in her chair. After a few more minutes, Julian and Tommy left quietly, not wanting to break the silence Stella was creating around herself. The longer she sat alone specifically not looking at the empty part of the office Macy had occupied just a few days before, the stronger that silence grew, until even the thought that sound existed would have been answered with a deafening roar of nothingness. But all that strength was an illusion. When the phone rang, the silence was obliterated just as thoroughly as if it had been only momentary. Stella turned her blurry eyes to the phone and watched it ring. A second time, a third, and finally she gave in, picked it up. She held it to her ear a moment. Still uncertain. Finally, she spoke.
7: Decker and Hayes...
0: that episode of Decker and Hayes the narrator was Daniel Schwartz Stella Decker was Angela Tyman. Macy Hayes was Lynn Nelson Julian McGuinness was Rich Bellin Tommy Potsdam was Nicholas Roach Rhiannon Rose was Devon White Dr. Anthony Cross was Aaron Bass Sheridan was Jordan D. White and the secretary was Magdalena Richards the theme song was by Michael Temporary Card Murkowski thank you Rory Um, you sound a little I mean I'll be honest with you you sounded a little testy doing those uh credits <sighs> thank you yes can we, let's get to, get on with it. Well, we, I mean, it's interesting you say that. We, we're going to get on with it. We have a few bits of listener mail to get to. Um, but there was one bit of listener mail that just came in during that show that I thought I'd mention. No, it's not listener mail. Thank you. Alright, the listener mail section is about listeners who email us in. Letters. Talking about the show. This is not about the show. No, but it's relevant. I mean, it's relevant to the show and that people who are listening to the show would be interested in hearing about it. Well, I don't want them to hear No. Rory, uh, here's what happened. Rory got served with papers. Oh, Frank, uh, Frank. It's true. Uh, Rory got served with papers just now. He's uh, being brought up on charges for um, obstruction of justice for what he tried to do with yeah. the uh, the case thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's not funny, all right? I don't... Again, it's not funny. Well, look, I mean, Rory, we t- when you, t- you, t- you brought up this idea, we told you this was a terrible idea. It was an illegal idea, and it was something you shouldn't do. And you did it anyway, and... You deserve it, is what we're saying. No, I wasn't going to say he deserved it, but, you know, you reap what you sow. Uh, yes, thank you. I reap what I... You know, I just... Uh, look, I'm going to get myself a lawyer. We're going to work it out. I'm sure nothing bad will happen. It's no, it's just a, you know, a simple thing. Well, I'll tell you what. Don't. I would recommend not going on as, a, as an expert witness for yourself and saying that you weren't actually in the court at the time, because they're going to see through... Uh, the- yes, that's very funny. Thank you. Yes. <sighs> Jordan. Well, that's my name, so... Alright, let's get to our, our, uh, our other, uh, listener mail. By the way, if you'd like to send us some listener mail, you can write into us at castinwax at gmail.com. It's castinwax, one word, well, three words smushed into one, at gmail.com. You can write into myself, to Frank, to Rory, to Scapey, and we will probably, uh, if we like your mail, we'll answer it on the air. So Frank, uh, this email is for you. Oh, excellent. I'd like to hear it. Dear Frank Allen, I know this guy. He is really suspicious, you know, always creeping around. Also, he borrowed money from me, which he he won't return. So needless to say, I am pretty angry about this. Generally, he's just a jerk. Anyway, I was wondering, could you help me frame him for murder or maybe get one of those guys you talked to last week to help? Trust me, he's an asshole. You would just have to do like one of those interviews where you say he's a killer? What do you say? There could be something in it for you. Let me know. Jackson Harris. Uh, No, I mean, no, I don't think you understand. Oh, is it Jackson, Jackson, Mr. Mr. Harris? Mr. Harris, I don't think you understand what, I, what I'm what i doing here. I'm not framing people for murder. I'm I'm uh, I'm accusing people of murder, but because I think they did it. So I'm not going to just say this guy did it. I mean, you know, I, I only would say he did it if he did it. So if you've got some proof, bring you know, you can bring it to me and I'll I'll interview the guy. But I'm not going to do it if he I mean, just because he owes you money. I'll talk to him about owing the money. But he did if he didn't kill anybody, I'm not gonna. Well, Frank, but Lynn didn't kill anybody. No, Lynn, you're saying Lynn didn't kill anybody, but I think she did. No, she didn't. I've, look, I've talked to her about it, and she's ta- told me that she didn't, and you're crazy. Well, of course she's gonna say that. Come on, what do you, I'm like, what do you expect? <sighs> Frank. I mean, and also these people you just talked to today, you were accusing them of crimes that they didn't do. No, they, I mean, those people were, those people were guilty. That guy was a war criminal. That other guy, he assaulted me. I mean, these are, the guy, he didn't use a prostitute, but he would. If you bought it. I mean, you're the one who would be doing the illegal thing. You're the one saying you'd be paying for sex. Well, not for me, though. So it's not illegal. It's, it's still illegal. Uh oh Look, I I mean I don't okay, I don't know the law. I mean we'll have to look it up. No, it's that's illegal. It's illegal to buy a prostitute for someone else, of course. Well, okay, fine, but I didn't do it. But you said you were going to. No, I said I would. And I didn't even say I would. I said if I did. It was very conditional. And it sounds like you're confessing to me. No, I'm not confessing. Look, Jackson, I'm sorry. Look, I'm not gonna I no, I can't help you. Unless you can get me some proof. If you can get me some proof, I'll do an investigative report and uh you know, we'll see what comes out of it. All right, all right. Um I do have another one here. This one is for me. Uh Rory, do you wanna read? this one for me? Oh, sure. Why not? Uh, dear Mr. White, when I was directed to your podcast and listened to some of the episodes, I was so shocked I almost had a heart attack. I really cannot fathom why you saw fit to slander our fine organization in such a vicious and absurd way. The community of Angina Sufferers of Kansas is a quiet and apolitical organization. We merely wish to provide support for our members. Needless to say, if many of them were informed of the way their beloved cask was portrayed on your series Like Mother, the shock might be too much for them. What explanation can you possibly have for painting casks as such an evil and secretive organization and assigned Arthur Papadakis media director cask. Uh so um Arthur I mean I'm not talking we're not talking about that cask probably. I mean we haven't revealed what cask stands for just yet have we so you know maybe that's not what we're talking about. That's all I can say to that. I mean but I mean listen to more of the series maybe you've been misled you know. Sounds like this is a job for Hope darling to tell us what what the deal is, if, if your, uh, angina folks are, are something to do with this or not. Or maybe it's like Patsy Kennedy said, don't believe it. It's not true. So only time can tell, man. Only time can tell. Um, all right. Well, that just about does it. Again, if you'd like to write into us, you can write into castinwax at gmail.com and we'll probably answer your mail. It's lots of fun. Next week, we're going to have three more series, uh, not three more series, but you know, three more episodes of three more things. Lots of fun. Lots of fun to be had. Everybody say goodbye. Bye. 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 And, uh, you can hear, Ursula, fading up in the background, Waxwork Theme U, love story about big shard of glass in the chest, so enjoy, be seeing you.
2: She's
0: beautiful,
2: it's the last thing I thought before, Ooh, you snatched me in the face with that swinging glass door, as it cracks, I can't help but relax, I can hear my heart waxing so poetic as I'm tumbling to. Put pressure on my wounds My heart is pounding Just stabbing you by my side Funny how love is born When two strangers collide But alas, now I'm missing my class
0: the Next episode of Cast and Wax. On guard duty, not all is as it seems.
1: Woohoo! am <laughs> so stupid and silly! Did someone drop you morons on your heads? Head, schmeds, piece of breads, wookie wookie, boo boo!
2: That's
0: <laughs> enough. <laughs> Sorry. On Debatatorium, not all is as it seems.
4: We have a very large radar gun on the top of our building, our headquarter building. Uh Uh-huh. And we can pick these things up.
3: Whether or not people are gay.
4: Yes. Mostly superheroes, it's a little
7: easier. So the sheer force
3: of their gayness. Yes. Interesting. And on Epic Echoes,
0: not all is as it seems.
7: This mistress of the galaxy could show up any minute and enslave the entire human race! I don't know about you, but I don't plan to spend the rest of my life rubbing lotion on some evil... Muscular, handsome, uh, I mean evil, very evil, and dangerous warlord!
0: All this and more coming on August 11th to
7: waxwork.com.